What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome back. Sorry, I missed you last week. I was traveling to my brother's wedding in North Carolina. If you follow me on social media, hopefully you got to see some of the festivities. Uh, there was an appearance of uh, Ric Flair, got a little cameo by Ric Flair, and uh, the one John Danaher, also known as uh, Don Janaher. Um, so I was traveling North Carolina, great festivities. Again, check out, uh, especially my, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, accounts. If you want to see some of the, the, the silliness. And if you're familiar with our show on Instagram Sundays at, uh, 2 15 PM called the Zorro brothers Oddcast, uh, you'll understand a little bit more about why we do what we do. Um, just trying to bring up my guests for today. Before we get started, um, he's just switching from the Google chat to the Zoom link. So I'm not sure on the engineer side if you can see Bo yet. Um, give me one second. I just need to text him to see. So my guest today, uh, he has a bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Missouri, Columbia. He is a native of San Diego, California, and currently he is a sports podcast host and a writer. Looks like he's coming in. Give it just a moment. There he is. You might need to unmute yourself, Bo. There you go. You, you got to unmute yourself. I got you. I got you. My apologies. I was <laughs> no, hanging in the Google chat, dude. I'm sorry. I, I should have been. I should have clarified that. Um, we'll get them next time. Anyways, I was just I was just giving a little background on you. Uh, bachelor's in broadcast journalism from University of Missouri, Columbia. Uh, you're currently a sports podcast host and writer for 1:37 p.m., which, if I'm not mistaken, is based out of uh, based out of New York. Here, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, yeah, yes, that is correct. And today you are in San Diego, right? We zoom into the to the old SD. Yes, sir. Very, Very good cool. research. Awesome. Love the homework. So, everybody. Let's welcome Bo Templin to the show. Thank you, thank you, all the millions of fans watching. Uh, <laughs> so I, I usually do a message of the week, um, but this week I wanted to break form a little bit because I was, I was, I'm familiar with 1.37 p.m. I follow them on Twitter, which is how I, I became familiar with yourself. Um, and I know a little bit about the company, but um, they have a tagline on their website. And I, I know what you know, kind of how, what this means to me, but I'm interested to get your take on it as somebody that, um, that works for the company. Um, what, you know, what, what it means to you, it says 1.37 PM creates content at the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports all through the lens of entrepreneurship. Like, what does that, what does that quote mean to you? First of all, thank you for having me. Thank you for like, coming on. Seriously, I very much appreciate it. Happy Friday uh, to you and all the listeners. Very exciting. The, the brand of 137 is incredible. It's really, really exciting. And, you know, I guess you have to start with that Gary V is our boss, right? I, right. Probably, probably a good starting point when you're talking about the 137 p.m. conversation. 
Gary was always about yes and. Like, if you offer him something new that he's never heard of, he doesn't say no. Like, he doesn't say no, that won't work. Or like, oh, I don't see how that fits. He says, huh, let me think about it. Let me look at it. Why do you think it's interesting? It's yes and. Like, oh, yes, that might work. And let's do this. Let's build on top of it. So whether it be a musician, whether it be an athlete, whether it be a stylist, a fashion designer of any kind, it was, yeah, you can be one of those things and you can be a great business person and you can do this and you can do more. So it's, it's the cross section of all those things because we truly believe you can be all of those things. Nice. That's a freaking fantastic response. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. I mean, so for me, like I, you know, I, I've been in business for myself many years and opened a number of businesses. I've been a freelancer. So I've always kind of seen everything through the, you know, through that, through that lens. Um, and I've, I've been involved, involved in um, sports uh, and martial arts in particular uh, for a very long time. And, 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 you know, looking at martial arts through that entrepreneurship lens, it helped me become like a much better business owner and entrepreneur. Um, you spend a lot of time uh, doing broadcasting for, for martial arts, whether it be boxing or MMA. Um, is that something that comes up in conversation, either interpersonally for yourself or within the, the company? It's, it's no coincidence that these martial artists or these fighters, that a lot of the good ones are great businessmen and great entrepreneurs. Like that's at some point you have, you can't, look at the field and say, oh man, that's a crazy coincidence that all these top guys are great entrepreneurs. That's not a coincidence anymore, right? The same skill sets that are required to be a great fighter, to be a great performer, entertainer in this specific field, those same skills translate into business and entrepreneurship. Like take, you know, Conor McGregor, I guess, just as a kind of BS example. I'm not allowed to curse on the show, correct? No, you can say whatever you want. Oh, let's drop it. Fucking go. Let's go. Okay, okay, okay. Conor McGregor, for as a bullshit example, great striker, right? But you have to work on the other parts of your game in order to be a great martial artist. So you had to work on his ground game, and it's better than people probably give him credit for. But same thing with business. It's like, oh, you can be a great salesperson, but you have to learn how to develop like the actual business. Oh, you can be a good um, employee, but you have to learn how to lead as well. So I think about like the well-rounded dynamic of fighters that translating into, oh, you need to work on every dynamic of your life, every aspect of your game, including business. And then when you're looking at business specifically, round out your business game. Like you, you know, if you're a power puncher, yeah, you might be a great salesperson round out the rest of your game that's kind of how i view the intersection between those two things that's awesome and and those guys are all like they all have to work on branding like first and foremost before they even really get into like i'm a business person uh they have to be like masters of brand if they want to make it when when you're in the ufc you're not an employee you're an independent contractor it is on you to make that money to sell those fights they're not paying you to be Oh, I'm Mr. UFC. No, you are on your own as a brand, an independent contractor specifically. That and it's whether or not you disagree with 
if that should be the case, right. that's what it is right now. So, <laughs> and that's why Conor McGregor would say so much bullshit. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course. Or Colby Covington, you know, who yeah. just has put on this act over the last five years, but it's working. You got to yeah. do it. Um, it's funny that you say that because I. So I, I'm now training at Hanzo Gracie's uh, headquarters in midtown um yes i know bravo <laughs> yeah. very very I, nice I got, I got the ear to prove it too um, <laughs> i i trained in brooklyn for five years under one of his black belts but the, the school closed unfortunately during oh. uh the beginning of the pandemic and henzo's was one of the first places to open back up and it was natural progression i had a little relationship with henzo prior so it was like it, this was like december january too when things were barely opening up and he's like come in we're back open so i did and it's been like life-changing but you see the same there just amongst like, like the, the high level guys, you know, just the everyday grapplers, you know, these guys are just like brown or black belts in jujitsu, but they all are like super duper excellent at, uh, you know, their, their, their business. And there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, small business owners among those ranks. A lot of these guys are not, you know, like the highest level, they're usually not like investment bankers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These are guys that are out there and, and you see it, you see it translate that way. And I think you really, you, you explained it like really, really eloquently, like putting it all together. Like the two kind of go hand in hand. I, you know, I didn't know much about martial arts before I started jujitsu six, almost seven years ago. Um, And, and, and the, like the value system in it. And I did like karate as a kid and some other stuff, but um, that, that was one of like the things that, that really cut through. I was like, wow, this is more, I was already athletic. I already worked out. I had a great, you know, I was in great shape. Um, it was just this added value, this added benefit. And I was like, oh, snap, this is, this is informing like all the other parts of my life, but in particular business, it just like, I never would have gotten through the pandemic, like business wise without that training. You know, if it was just like me relying on like, oh, you know, I've owned a restaurant for six years. I'm, you know, no, I would have been by the wayside. It was the martial arts stuff. That's why though, whether you're raising a kid or if you are a kid, whatever it is, please play sports, even if you don't like it. Honestly, if you don't like it, probably more reason to play sports because the adversity that you're going to face in sport is like second to none, really. When, and, and this is where martial arts honestly differs from team sports or anything like that. But if I'm boxing, if I'm sparring against someone at the gym, and it's not going well. I'm getting frustrated. Like I'm getting beat up a little bit. If I was playing basketball, which I love to do, or if I was surfing, which I love to do, I'll be like, all right, not going well, run harder, Just paddle faster. Just like you work harder. Boxing jujitsu, you don't really just all of a sudden get to say like, oh, I'm going to work harder and it'll go better. It's like, no, you have to mentally figure out what this is in front of you. What is the roadblock in front of you? In jujitsu more than even boxing, because boxing, there's like the, the footwork kind of dynamic of like moving more and more. But jujitsu, you can't just all of a sudden say, oh, now I'm going to go really hard. It's like, no, you have to mentally figure out this guy that you're rolling with in this current present moment. And if you don't get past that, you're just going to continue to get beat up, beat up, beat up. And uh, I just such an advocate for implementing adversity into your life so that it translates later on when you get older. Absolutely. Um, have you seen uh, Kelly Slater's quote about jujitsu? 
No, and I I have a great Kelly Slater story. So go ahead. I want to hear that. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this. We'll take a break, and you can come back and open up with the the Kelly Slater story. But he just recently he was like, if you're gonna put your kid, like you should put your kid in sports, but the first one you should put him in is jujitsu, like before anything else, because I know I was like Kelly Slater said that. Fuck yeah. Um, because of the dynamic problem solving, like you were just talking about. It's not, you know, it's not like when you're running by yourself it's like yeah right you're you're slow run faster it's not it's not dynamic and i'm a i was a competitive distance runner so like i love running but it's not yes. it is not the same as as jujitsu and and some other martial arts yeah are we going to break yeah go ahead you okay, want to say okay, something real okay. quick well no 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 i'll say i'll save it okay, for, cool. i'll save it for after the break cool sounds good so hang tight we'll be back in just a minute everybody Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. everybody welcome back if you're just tuning in happy friday the entrepreneurial web i'm your host jeremiah fox today welcoming to the show bo templin he is a sports podcast host and writer for 137 p.m and he's got a great kelly slater story for us but bo make sure you unmute yourself one more time it will always kick you off for the break that way we can curse during the show but they don't want to hear us cursing during the the commercials (laughs) whoever they are they're very very smart people (laughs) hear me yelling at my kids hey put that fucking shit down (laughs) exactly i get it i absolutely get it oh go for it i love i love kelly slater and i love a good story so so it hasn't happened yet 
but I had uh, interesting. <laughs> I had I had Vitor Belfort on the podcast, longtime great UFC champion. You know, back like old school, old yeah. school G. I know you know, but like for the listeners or whatever, like old school G of the fight game, badass dude from Brazil, moved to Southern California, and he loves surfing, loves loves surfing. And I had him on the show and I said, and we started to hit it off and he just liked the questions I was asking or whatever the, the podcast went well. And he goes, Oh dude, next year I'm trying to put together kind of like this MMA Vayner sports surf party at Kelly Slater's surf ranch. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you got to come. I'm like, Oh my God, will I come? Of course I'm going to come. So I did know Slater is a fan of MMA. I I knew that there was a connection there. And honestly, like if you've ever served or if you've done both in some capacity, you get, you get the connection between the two. Right. Especially like the old school jujitsu guys. They're like, they're like soul surfers. I lived in uh, Virginia beach, Virginia for a while. And that it was just like this old school. This was in like the eighties and nineties, you know, just like old school, like, soul surfer vibe right right down at the ocean front like first street in croatan and i started jujitsu and i was like oh you guys are just like those old fucks you know just like smooth and cool man you know like just get up every day at the crack the ass crack at dawn and go do it you know my my boxing coach is from or you know was from uh the bay up north northern mm-hmm. california and he started boxing and was constantly in fear, constantly afraid of uh, whether it be like the physical contact or just the adrenaline rush that you have when you go into a ring. And I think a lot of people that don't partake might not understand like that dynamic of the adrenaline control or the adrenaline dump. And so he started to surf as a way to learn how to control the adrenaline for his boxing, which is really interesting i I just always think about that connection as well yeah well it's water is a big adversary oh oh when you're in the water that is the boss you do not get to decide what happens out (laughs) there the water is the boss yeah and you you have to be very strategic and and know when to um i was i was teaching a couple guys this morning and like we're talking about knowing when to be tense and knowing when to be relaxed and your your relaxed period should outweigh your tense periods like ten to one, because otherwise you end up in that adrenaline dump uh, kind of situation. He's you're right. The hard part is doing it then, right? Or like, or knowing when, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knowing when yeah. to do it. Yeah. One thousand percent. That's funny. So you you made a good point, and I've been thinking about this lately. Um, and I wanted to get your take on that. We've got time to unpack that, but I, I wanted to go back a little bit to like kind of your, your background in sports and experience and, and your, um, your decision to do a, a broadcast journalism degree was, was it always like a goal to, to do journalism for sports? Yeah. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the truth though. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I very much understand why people go through college or even their twenties, like not necessarily knowing what they're supposed to be doing, what they want to do or whatever their passions or desires like are drawn um, to them. But my dad growing up was a sports photographer. 
my mom was a public speaker and author. You put the two together, and that's me. And like, you get both. <laughs> that is Bo right at the dead center of it all. So yeah. at like, dude, at like five or six years old, I was doing like my own renditions of Sports Center for the family. So yeah, I had a, I had a pretty good good hunch early on that I would end up somewhere near the sports broadcasting realm. Yeah, that's awesome. And and you've mentioned a couple of the the sports that you you know you're a fan of and that you've spent time with. What you know you mentioned basketball and boxing. Like what what have you spent time training? And how important do you think that is to train those particular sports when you're doing some sort of journalism broadcast for said sports? I think it's a lot more important than journalism likes to admit. So you go to journalism school and it's actually not exactly for the reason you might think, but journalism is like, no, 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 be true, learn the craft, blah, blah, blah. And all those things are very important. I'm not downplaying the importance of good journalism in 2021. I understand that that would be a bad thing to say. (laughs) I understand that. What I'm more getting at is like, If I spent the entire last 10 years of my life just being a good journalist, dedicating my life to being a good journalist, I would have no stories to tell when I go on a radio show. You have to live life outside of your profession so that you have stories to tell so you can relate to people when you're talking with them. If I spent every weekend of college just recording podcasts, yeah, I'm sure I would have been a better podcaster. But I need the story of me going to the sports bar, watching the big game with my buddies. Where were you on the night of game six of the NBA finals? You have to have those stories and balance the two. So when I'm at the boxing gym or if I'm playing pickup basketball and a guy crosses me up and I fall over, it's a great story. If I am picked first and then my homie gets picked last and then his team wins, it's a great story. You have to develop those stories inside of the realm which you're covering in order to be relatable in any sort of way. I, I just, I think it's absolutely massive that you're partaking in some capacity in the field that you're covering. Very good. So you, you know, you mentioned basketball, boxing, you trained jujitsu as well? No, I grew up a sports kid. Grew up pure sports, baseball, basketball, uh, and soccer. And COVID, I essentially moved back from college. The moment it opened up, I went boxing heavy because I really like the cardio of it. But next year, like 2022, I'm contemplating in my head, I might start rolling instead of doing boxing just because the wear and tear of boxing is tricky. getting, Getting punched in the head is never fun. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> but you but you cover a lot of like straight boxing matches too. I noticed that. Like you did a big yeah, thing yeah, on the yeah. Canelo fight and like oh Yeah, man. yeah. I was at Las I was in Las Vegas two weeks ago covering uh Canelo versus Caleb Plant for DraftKings, which was an absolute blast and getting to ask nice. Canelo a couple questions is yeah. like dude, dream come true <laughs> type moment where you're like, Wow, I'm I am living like a bucket list. You know, I've got a list of like ten athletes and that I've always wanted to talk with. He was one of them. And so uh, getting to make my first check mark on that list yeah. was, was a, it was a really good feeling. Um, 
it's funny you mentioned that because being at Henzo's, it's like that all the time. Like you're just there. And so shit, I didn't even think about it, but uh, whatever it was like a, a week and a half ago when all the fights were at MSG. I was US, there. You were at, you were at Madison Square I was Garden. at MSG, so, yeah. So Henzo is like literally when you're on the ground floor on the Muay Thai mats, you're looking at the, there's a parking garage between um, the two buildings, but like you can see straight through and you can see the back door where like the fighters go in at MSG. So I didn't even think about it, but I, I did the Saturday afternoon class and I come walking upstairs to get my shoes because I left them upstairs and fucking Frankie Eggers right there on the Muay Thai mats warming shut, up. Shut up. I was like, oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I just sat down and like watched him. And this was like maybe six hours before his fight. And then they told me they were like, oh, yeah, Usman and Rose, they were they were all here last night and they'll be here later. And I was like, huh. <laughs> get out of here that is that is fucking insane he was 20 feet from me and i'm just like it, R- ricardo ricardo almeida and i, I was just like this is fucking cool funniest thing that happened though so i started taking mma classes there maybe two months ago i've been doing jujitsu and muay thai both separately for six years now wow um yeah and and teaching both as well and um my schedule changed a little bit and i was like one of the only classes i could take several days a week was the MMA class and I do the MMA coach and I was like you know my buddies and I fucked around a little bit together I'm like oh whoa, that's cool you gotta be careful with that you know and I was like all right let's take the dive and I went in there and I got my ass handed to me for like six weeks uh, I'm mean, still getting I'm still getting messed up but you just it's like starting over like white belt all over again you know like the combination of it all so much chaos so many things could happen at any given time but I was in there like two weeks ago and there were an odd number of us. So I was in the group of three because I'm like the new guy. And I was like, I don't want to get, I, I'm just going to sit down and watch for a minute. And um, David Branch pokes his head in the door. And he says, Shut he up. says to the instructor, he goes, hey, I'm going to hop in. And I was like, the fuck you are. I'm the only one without a training partner right now. <laughs> no shot. Dude's head is like this big. I mean, his shoulders, his delts were like the size of my chest. Thank God a couple other guys showed up and I didn't get stuck with them. But I was like, I was already having a rough time. And I was like, this is about to get really bad. But I would say, but that's just like common occurrence in a place like that. Like if you just hang around these parts long enough, you know. (laughs) Dude, that is, I mean, that's a nightmare scenario to walk into. (laughs) I mean, dude, it's hard enough. Like I'll be... I'll like keep it 100 right now. Like it's hard to go through an hour boxing cardio class. Like there are people that can't do five minutes on a jump rope. You know what I mean? And that's why I always like, if there's one demographic of MMA that I ridicule, it's like the couch coaches at home who are, you know, eating a bag of chips and, you know, smoking a J and eating pizza and drinking a six pack while watching the fights or whatever, which usually that's me. I just have the self-awareness to not criticize anyone I'm watching. Dude, jump rope for five minutes. Yeah. Like, just jump rope for five minutes. Just try. Tell try me two. How, try to start two minutes. Two. two minutes. You're going to die. Tell me how that goes, okay? Yeah. Finish a boxing cardio class at round nine boxing gym yeah. down the street. Tell me how that goes. Yeah. Dude, get into a single round of an mma sparring for two minutes and you're gonna be like oh this is i've never felt anything like this 
dude, you have to put yourself in those scenarios a little bit to really understand what those guys are doing. I mean, again, after all my training, my first sparring rounds in that class, I thought I was going to die. And like, I'm in great shape. And I know all these techniques. I, I was a mess. I was a hot mess. And, and I was asking that about like the importance of, of, um, you know, having experience with those sports um, is because, so my brother and I have a little sideshow that we do on Instagram live every Sunday. And it's, and it's about fighting. He's, he's also a purple belt and he fought a couple of amateur MMA fights and, and he was a wrestling coach and stuff. So he's got a good amount of experience. Um, so, you know, we, we talk about the fights often and we talk about boxing matches. We talk about straight jujitsu, but it really centers a lot around uh, MMA and UFC. We're friends with several pros. We've had a few pros come on the show. Um, but once I started the MMA classes, I like, I gained new insight. Like we're doing a lot of, a lot of wall work where you're like up against the cage or you're pushing them up against the cage and you don't realize how hard and how really strategic and technical technical that is until you're in that position. And it just, it gives you so much more insight to be able to talk intelligently about it versus the guy who has the UFC shirt, but the KFC belly. <laughs> oh yeah oh the, i well that's a slogan right there you haven't seen that one it's like your shirt says ufc but your belly says kfc <laughs> damn i i have not I seen that, that. i'm pretty i'm one. pretty hip to like <laughs> meme culture especially in mma but i have not seen that that is fucking yeah, incredible look that, one up. that one's great i will i will the uh you're talking about like those small details on the cage right i and I actually speculate that those small details are why some fighters are really popular and successful. And that's why some fighters are not popular, but successful. So I think about Floyd Mayweather when he's boxing. What makes Floyd Mayweather so good is the small details inside of a boxing ring that us at home have zero clue about. So people watch and they're like, Floyd's not winning or what? How does he always win these decisions? It's like, because you don't understand what he's doing in there. It's what makes him such a good villain. At the same time, (laughs) I think it's very easy to watch Francis Ngannou win a fight by knockout and say, oh my God, that's the most dominant fighter I've ever seen. He is, he's the best fighter in the UFC right now. And I'm not at all saying that Francis isn't the best fighter in the UFC. I'm just saying his style allows the common person who knows very, very little about the fight game to appreciate his skill set. right? It's easy to watch. Like you could put someone who's never seen a single fight in their life and say, wow, that guy's good. But when you watch Floyd Mayweather, if you've never seen a boxing match, you go, I have no idea who just won. You could tell me anything. They're 50, 50 coin toss. I have no idea. So those small details are a lot of times I speculate why some fighters are popular and others are not. I mean, George St. Pierre is a great example, right? Yeah. Cause he just like, he would control the fights. He won a lot of fights by decision. He was not a yeah. big knockout guy and people would, you know, he got a lot of criticism for that until he came back and went up a weight class and beat Michael Bisping's ass. <laughs> Particularly too, in the second half of his career. Right. Yes. So I think it's easy when you're a kid and you're not, a champion yet necessarily and you've never been knocked out or you haven't mm. faced like a big beating you get knocked out for the first time or or you take a beating for the first time you're going to really consider or reconsider 
how you approach those next few fights. <laughs> yeah. you, you will evolve and change as a fighter after that first KO. And that was the one Matt Sarah that did yep. that for George St. Pierre and Ray, yep. Long, Ray Longo. <laughs> Ray Longo, the Longo Minute. Shout out I to got, Anakin Florian. I got another question for you, but after we're going to take another break, but I've been dying to ask you this because just some things circulated in my head. So we come back. I'm going to hit you with this question. Hang tight, everybody. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauber, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Everybody, we're back again. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Welcoming to the show, Bo Templin. He's a sports co- podcast host and writer for 1:37 p.m., which is uh, headquartered here out of New York City. We're zooming to San Diego, talking to Bo today. Um, and my question for you is: Are you familiar with the ones Hanato Lahanja? No. Okay, so your boy's a trip. He's he's. I think these days he's in in your neck of the woods. Uh, he's he's a ten planet like Eddie Bravo guy. Okay, tight, tight with Joe Rogan. Um, okay, I think they kind of like grew up and trained together. But he's an actor. He's actually from New York. He's just a light skinned brother that moved. Uh, he was doing like soap operas and shit. But he was he was around all these Brazilians because you're in like little Brazil, basically, especially SD man. It's like so many of those dudes. Between like Torrance and San Diego, they just like they just like put up shop surfing and jujitsu, and um, he like he figured out how to cop the uh, the Brazilian accent, you know, flipping all the R's to H's, and you know, he's around those guys a lot. And he's you know a successful actor, and he's got a crew, and so he started doing these shorts with all these famous fighters. So he does 
<laughs> he's got his own show too, which is hilarious. And he's had, you know, he's had a bunch of famous fighters on there, but he's in character the whole time. He's pretending to be Brazilian. It's it's just out of this world. But he he recreates scenes from famous movies using fighters. So he does a, he does a, a scene from Brokeback Mountain with Josh Barnett. <laughs> I, mean, I have to look this up. You got to check him about. out. And so it's spelled like Renato, R-E, but it's Renato. And Lahanja is orange in Brazil. His last name is actually um, something orange is his last name. But um, he does he does this whole scene from Heat with Kenny Arnoff. <laughs> I do know I do know uh, I do know who this is. By the way, yo, he's he, the best though. He does uh, Darth. Look up Darth Vader does jujitsu. Okay. And, Dude, it's like Jeff Glover and Dean Lister and all these guys are in it. But it's like well-produced video, like professionally, you know, done cinematography. Um, I just out of this world. So that's like my brother, when, when he was doing jujitsu, he, he started with, uh, or at a certain point, he started training with Solo and Shanji Hibero and just around these Brazilian guys all the time. And, and we we're like, you know, uh, products of 80s and 90s uh, pop film culture so it, the text thread between my brother and my sister and I are all just you know movie references and and how and old are you 44 okay um just all these movie references from the 80s and 90s and uh and so that's kind of the premise of our show he comes out in his gi and he's like using this he's better at it than I am um but I just wanted to know if you're familiar with it. It's part of, like, that's, we're not Hinato's stick, and we've kind of, like, borrowed from that a little bit. And Yes, uh, I didn't recognize the name yeah. off of the top of my head. Yes, I know who this is. You go down the rabbit hole when you have time and just watch all of the fully produced. He does uh, a scene from Rambo with Cyborg. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I, I promise I will go down the rabbit hole. You have my word. I promise I'll do it. It's a, it's a fucking trip, man. It really is. Um, so <laughs> now that we've gotten all that out of the way, um, time for serious talk now. Um, uh, I, I'm really curious because, um, you know, I, I host a couple shows myself, like how, first of all, how did you end up, you know, going for like, uh, the, the podcast route and how did you end up at 137? I did my first podcast when I was 16 years old. In high school, uh, there was a podcast club at my high school, and a lot of people know Joe Rogan as the host of the Joe Rogan Experience, or as, uh, you know, the host of the Joe Rogan Experience now. I knew Joe Rogan as the guy who did color commentary for the UFC back in 2006. So, you know, if you're a fight fan, you've known Joe a long time. There's a lot of people that only know Joe as, like, Fear Factor maybe comedian and then now it's like oh the host of the joe rogan experience but i knew pretty early on i was like oh joe rogan you know the color commentator with mike goldberg for the ufc joe's podcast started coming out uh like 2009 i think or so and i just kept my eye on it i was like oh i'm seeing like there's a few successful people who are doing these podcasts there's no barrier to entry either. So like they, no one can stop me because I'm 16 years old from hosting a podcast. Whereas like, if I wanted a radio show, you, they're not going to say yes to a 16 year old hosting a radio show on AM or FM radio. Started doing that. Kept recording through college. 
five years into it, um, end up in San Diego uh, during COVID. I was working with the San Diego Padres and COVID hit, lost my job with the Padres because they had to make all these cuts. Yeah. And I was doing sports podcasts. MMA was the only thing still going on during the <laughs> pandemic. That was it. It was like fights only. I'm like, all right, well, dude, you've been around the fight game long enough. Like, just make fight podcasts. So I just was doing fight podcasts after fight podcasts after fight podcasts. I'd been following 137 for a year or so, and I sent them a DM with a clip from a podcast. I said, hey, here's a clip from my podcast. I think your audience would really like it. Let me know what you think. And that was that. Took off from there, and they were like, wow, this is dope. Uh, let's talk next week. I'm like, all right. And then took the call and the call went well. And they're like, all right, let's, let's talk again with our boss on Thursday. I'm like, all right. And just kind of continued and continued. And then eventually I was offered a position with 137. So I know the uh, shooting your shot thing is a little overplayed right now about like, you know, shooting DMS everywhere or whatever, but it worked. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's hard for me to not say that it doesn't work because it, it worked for me. That's like my testimony. So, yeah. And this was on Twitter, right? Instagram is where I had hit them. Oh, okay, uh, okay, gotcha. but yeah, same. I mean, I had been following them in both places. Right. Um. And and when what got you into into doing? I mean, yeah, but prior to uh, COVID, like you said, you know, you were you were already in and the fights somehow. Uh, what what was the connection there? Just like growing up and watching them, and just being a fan. Grandpa boxed a bit, uh, like during his twenties when he was in the military. So just certainly grew up in a family that like watched boxing pay-per-views yeah. when they came around. So yeah. like, I, that kind of sounds cliche, but like, like at age six, I watched Corrales versus Castillo, which I consider to be the greatest fight of all time. And we had it on VHS like, it's just hard for – it's hard to fake that. Yeah. It's hard to fake, like, oh, I had Corrales Castillo on VHS at six years old. Uh, but then MMA I fell in love with during season five of The Ultimate Fighter, which is, like, 2007. I was about 10 years old, and Nate Diaz was on. And I probably should not have been watching it 10 years old because <laughs> – Nate Diaz. The stock Nate, slap, bitch. <laughs> Nate Diaz – fighting and reality tv is a really bad combination for a 10 year old but for whatever reason my dad and i just loved it we're fascinated and from there on it was like yo i'm never not gonna watch this like you you know it, for the people who are like oh you know you don't know anything about fighting you're young and blah 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 i'm like okay i got a computer virus trying to legally watch me leota machida versus shogun hua don't tell me that I haven't been around for a really long time. If you, if you don't have, you know, viruses on your laptop from illegally streaming fights back in 2009. And, and, and that's why you call the show in the fight. Right? In the fight right there. That is as in the fight as it gets is getting computer viruses from illegally like watching old yep. school fights. Nice. No, that's great. Cause I always, you know, as much as this show is about entrepreneurship and stuff like that, it's also about, um, podcasting first and yes. foremost because it's it's that as well and the same way people like to hear the story of how someone started a business like to relate to that they want to hear the same because who doesn't want to start a fucking podcast right now right everybody wants to be joe rogan 
Um, and you're right, there is no barrier to entry. And it's just like, you can do it. And people are like, you know, the hardest part is getting started. People really like, they're like, I don't know how to start. Where do I come from? You know, what am I going to talk about? And I, and I love to hear hosts just kind of like lay it out there. Like, this is, this is, this is how it began. These are some of the things you're going to get some viruses. You're going to do some silly shit, you know? Everyone wants the podcast, but to do it well. So there's like two things. One, what are your expectations? Like, do you want this to be your full-time job? If you want it to be your full-time job, you're going to got, you got to work. Like you got to fucking work, work. If you want this to be your full-time job, if you want to do it for fun, you have zero expectations then just do it. You can have fun. It's a good time. But to make it your full-time job, everyone wants that. If it was easy, everyone would do it. But it's not easy to be a you know, full-time podcast or anything. And um, you know, the, the phrase like podcast or just the, the word podcasting has grown and evolved a little bit. Now I just, like, I don't even know what the future is. Like, I've been doing it for a long time. I'm, I'm like, I love it, but I, at the same time, like part of me thinks like, what's next? Mm. You know what I mean? Like now everyone's in it. Now it's established. It's going to be hard to crack a top five, top 10 list in terms of podcasting charts. What's next? And so now I'm honestly more than even podcasting right now. I'm, I'm really trying to keep an eye on what's next. Yeah. Great segue. We're going to take a break. And I, I was exactly going to ask you that <laughs> you stole my line. Perfect. So take our last break and we'll come back and we'll, we'll get into that. So hang tight, everybody. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. folks last round ding 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 
the hot question is what is next? So I've thought about this a lot myself. I've had this show for a little over two years. My brother and I've been doing ours for a little over a year. So I've clocked in like a solid, you know, 150, 160 episodes. You're right. It is a lot of work and I do not want this to be my full-time job, but there are a lot of different ways a podcast can be used. There are a lot of different ways they can be monetized. I think the most, you know, common and well-known route is like, I'm going to get advertising dollars. Not so easily done, right? <laughs> um, so you have to do, you have to be creative and think outside of the box, just like it, you have to treat it like a business, you know, like how can I like maximize the output for the amount of input that I, that I put in there. And then the other question I have besides what is next is um, why go with uh, like a network, like 1.37 PM. Like I, you know, this show holds off a talk radio NYC, which is a, you know, which is an internet radio broadcast. It's not necessary for me to do it here, but I see some benefit for it. Um, so yeah, two part question, what's next and why choose like an affiliate or like a network? You're muted still. Got to hit that. I, I know. Damn. I'm Damn. sorry. I'm no, sorry. It's, it's Zoom, man. Don't worry. It's not your fault. Second question is a lot easier to answer than okay, the first one. Go for it. The resources. Yeah. At, at 22 or 23 years old, like, I just don't have the connections. I don't have, like, the financial backing. I don't have, like, the years of experience that a network can provide and joining a, I mean, a team like 137 is obviously ideal because you're backed by Gary V. You have a list of fighters that are represented by Vayner sports. And so I get to talk to all these fighters and create podcasts, you know, through just people on our roster, like for, for Gary. And now I'm going to answer part one with this. Gary views 137 as his advertising dollars. Right. When Guinness in the 1940s struggled with beer sales, they said, wow, what are we doing? Like something's wrong. Like, why are people not drinking, you know, Guinness as much? Like they're not even going to the bar or pub anymore. How do we get people into the pub? Oh, people like trivia. Oh, let's make a trivia book the Guinness Book of World Records. The Guinness Book of World Records was created to get people into the pub to drink Guinness beer. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Gary well, tells this story. Gary tells, yeah, Gary tells this story better than I do. And I think Gary views 137 as his Guinness Book of World Records for everything that he's invested in and covers on his own. So whether that be hip-hop artists whether that be fighters under his roster whether that be cannabis whether that be fashion cards uh like sports cards mm -hmm. gary views 137 as his advertising dollars so when he's paying 137 to put out this content that is his advertisement yeah. he says okay by having people follow 137 they're going to be more knowledgeable on the topics that i'm talking about that i'm covering that i'm invested in Find a company, if you're interested in broadcasting yourself, find a company that wants to advertise in your field and say, hey, I am the advertisement. Mm -hmm. People look at it backwards. Right. Podcasts create knowledge in a community 
for the people that are paying you. And then you can say, yeah, I am your, I am your investment. I am your advertiser. And you can kind of, kind of flip the script a little bit on them. No, I, I totally, that's what the podcast is for me. Like I even pulled advertising dollars from most of my, mainly because of COVID, um, from, from most of my businesses, but, um, yeah, I, I just put more into the podcast and shout out, uh, T with Mike. He's been helping me a lot. Also, I know you were on his show. Great dude. Um, and, and it, it, it works and it, it gives you a much bigger umbrella than just like, oh, I'm going to put advertising dollars into this business through this channel and hope the money comes right back to that business. You get this wide reach and it's like collecting all the poker chips. I mean, it takes time. Yeah, I, the, the Guinness story opens people's eyes to what I'm talking about. Like, I think it's maybe harder to understand if I just tell you it from like the 137 Gary Vee dynamic. But when you think about, okay, people aren't drinking beer. They're not at the pub. Why aren't they at the pub? They're not enough to do. Well, what do they do when they're like it when they are at the pub? They like trivia night. Let's create the trivia night. So Gary was like, all right, let's create the TikTok platform that covers everything that I'm invested in. And when you just, when you think about it a little bit differently, you can go, wow, like I don't have to just create a popular podcast for people to come to advertise on my show. I'll do the advertisement myself. Um, And for you, I I noticed like you, you do a lot on TikTok. You're on, you're on Twitter quite often. Um, Those are like your main, like, Every day in Instagram stories too. That's where you're really pumping your uh, your content out. Is there anything I left out? I mean, I'm on yeah on Instagram and then on YouTube as well. But I ask I'm, about that, yeah, like because YouTube is like totally saturated. I mean, I put the show like this show on YouTube, but it just it's just there in case someone's like because that's just the place to be. I want to offer it, you know, you want to offer it to anyone because the last right. thing you want is like someone who's interested in your stuff. I can't and then it. they say, Oh, I only, I only really use YouTube. And then you're like, Oh, sorry, not on YouTube. You know, you'll have to download this. And it's like, all right, well, you just lost the, you just lost the viewer. So yeah. be everywhere so that you're adhering like to your audience. But the YouTube thing's a little tricky because I've, I've found that, the the comments can be like nastier in the mma sphere than they are in other places it's a little less regulated and um can be rough around the edges to say some of those kfc guys be cutting through right (laughs) yes yes and honestly like you know you try not be but i am a sensitive like person and i really care what people think which i know is against everything that gary says but you also want to be self-aware and be like conscious about it so YouTube is a little intimidating sometimes just from that dynamic, but I've found a ton of success on TikTok and it's been really, really fun and exciting. And the other thing is that kids under the age of 25, like don't know who Randy Couture is. And it's like, wow, I, that just blows my mind. It's sad, but true. (laughs) It's sad, but true. And I'm like, all right, well, if no one else is going to fix this, then I will fucking do it. Like, So a lot of times I think someone in their forties might look at my content or in their fifties and look at my content, like, dude, you're telling the most obvious story. Like, obviously we know this already. 
you're not under 25 and the people under 25 don't know what happened in 1997 when Couture took on Kevin Randleman. You know what I mean? Like they don't know what pride means when you say they don't know what pride is. (laughs) They, They don't even know what pride is. So that's kind of something I've taken like responsibility in is educating the under 25 demographic on some of the history of sports, because like, I, I just love history in general. And then sports history is like my favorite thing in the world. So. Well, you, you almost answered your own question then like what's next. I mean, you could almost go like documentary style for like that specific demographic. Cause yeah, the rest of us, I mean, and it's funny cause I would watch it just because I love it and be like, I know the shit, but like, yeah, let's do it again. Like I still go back. I don't know how many times I've watched UFC one. And if I'm like scrolling YouTube and it pops up in the feed, I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Just like, I just want to watch Hoist beat the shit out of everybody again. Of course. And you know, the, the, uh, the, the 28 year anniversary just passed of UFC one, like last week or whatever. And just, I really don't think people over the age of 45 or 50 understand that under 25, like, do you know how few kids have seen the Godfather under the age of 25? Like, like I'm serious. I know we're shaking our heads, but like under the age of 25, I would speculate more than 70% have not seen the Godfather. And so if I can like educate or share, or, you know, I got this Muhammad Ali photo behind me. Yeah. And this is like, this has been one of my most successful TikToks is telling the story of, Sonny Liston 2 versus Muhammad Ali or Sonny Liston versus Muhammad Ali 2 like telling this story right here is one of my most successful TikToks and a lot of people that are older were like yeah obviously we know this story well 500,000 people who liked this post have never heard this story before so I have to tell this like if no one else will I gladly will I will gladly take the information that is commonly known on Twitter or in the fight game and I will share that on TikTok, yeah. even if it seems like low, uh, low hanging fruit a little bit. Yeah, you can't worry about that shit. And that's what makes people unique and stand out is their is their content specialty. So uh, I I think I think that's a great direction for you to go in. We got to wrap up, so I just want to say thank you again for coming on. And uh, anybody listening that wants to check Bo out, it's at Bo Templin on Twitter. Instagram. I know you got a Facebook and LinkedIn account, but not much. <laughs> what you going? And is and is it at Bo Templin on uh, everywhere? Uh, everywhere. All right. Everywhere. Cool. Very cool. You're not like me, and I change. So I've got different handles all over the place. I like to, I'm like. But Bo's an easy name. Bo's an yeah. easy name. No. So. B- before we go, I just like the whole time, and I named this show Bo Knows because it just reminded me of Bo Jackson and that whole campaign in like the late '80s, early '90s, and I was just like, Bo Knows. Bo Knows. I, uh, shit. I, I've got like five bonus t-shirts. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Well, thank you again, man, for coming on. Really appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you for having today. me. Apologize for the the cold yeah. voice that I got going on. It's but good, thank you for the time. I, I just, I, I really enjoyed this. Had a blast. Awesome. Me too. There'll be some post promo. I'll put it out on social. I'll tag you. We'll cut up some of these best parts and, and send it out to all the people that didn't make the show today. All right. Amazing. Thank you so much. Happy Friday, man. Happy Friday and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Not sure there's going to be a show next week because Friday's the day after Thanksgiving. I have to do like a rogue uh, Facebook live on my own. We'll see. I got a lot lot of stuff going on this year. So if I don't see you next week, we'll see you in two weeks in December. Again, happy Thanksgiving. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Peace out.
Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 